Welcome to episode 28 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen. We are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Hi Helen, you okay this evening? How are you doing? Yes, I'm well, thank you. I'm a bit worried I might get a bit hot. We've still got the wood burner going and I'm still still got the wood burner going well i mean it's that in between weather isn't it it is that in between weather but but also you know if you've got if you've got a wood burner i think we just need to be using it at the moment don't we because we don't know how long we're going to be allowed to use wood burners we're going to have to become wood burning fugitives i think potentially you never know do you they'll be outlawed (laughs) i don't think we'll be stopping using our wood burner Oh, they're really great. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. yeah, they're great. Yeah, they keep, keep, <laughs> us, keep us nice and toasty. Much much nicer heat, I think, than yeah. uh, central heating. But I mean, you know, be thankful for any for any heating. But I know what you mean. It is that kind of odd time of year where you want to kind of move. You don't know whether to have the heating on, have the heating off. But yeah, anyway, we're not here to talk about wood burners, are we? So that yeah. uh, maybe should be another episode. Um, shall we? Shall we make a start? Look, last podcast we covered um, various topics, but one of the one of the I think key things that we touched on was um, a chap called Aaron Edwards, who is or was a lecturer from Cliff College, and this is a, a well-known UK. Bible College, and he came under fire for standing up for sound biblical doctrine. And and we can give a kind of update, if you don't already know this, um, that sadly, he has been sacked from Cliff College. And it turns out that he's paying a price for standing for the truth. Um, and I wanted to just read out some information, which is from his crowdfunder page, and we'll link to this in the, the podcast notes, um, but it will give, hopefully, a, a good insight. And uh, it says this, Aaron is a Christian academic, theologian, writer and preacher and father of five young children. In March 2023, he was fired by the Evangelical College where he had worked for almost seven years for posting a tweet from his personal account which expressed a biblical view on sexuality, a view held by the vast majority of Christians throughout the world. Due to the public nature of the incident, his academic career in higher education is now severely threatened. Just one week after his dismissal, his family were coincidentally served notice of eviction by their landlord and have been told they have eight weeks to vacate their home. Aaron was the only lecturer who lived within walking distance of the college, a decision they made as a family so they could welcome students into their home for meals, prayer and fellowship. However, this meant they could never afford to buy a home on one income, an issue now exacerbated by having no income at all. The timing of the eviction following the dismissal makes this an especially challenging time for Aaron and his family. So that's um, that's a rather um, challenging and very honest update, um, isn't it, Helen? It's been quite it's been quite something to witness this, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's very sad. It's such a shame that the college effectively bowed to pressure from the world. Um, why they wouldn't stand up for biblical truth, seeing as they're a Bible college, I I really don't understand. Um, it, yeah, it, it 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 is hard. It is hard to grasp that, isn't it? Because um, I, I I suppose I I wonder what 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 the other biblically sound 
staff were 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 doing um were they speaking up in defense of Aaron or or not we I, just, I simply don't don't know and and like I say Helen this I think was a it is a very sad thing for Cliff College to to be aligning themselves essentially with the world because this this was an opportunity for them to stand up for biblical truth wasn't it and to actually yeah. do something that would have been quite profound and um it's just sad that they have capitulated to worldly opinion and and place themselves on what could be a trajectory towards anti-gospel which is which is i find that hard to hard to reconcile that with them being a, a bible college yeah well they've they've just behaved like so many academic institutions that we keep hearing of who who just seem to be saying unless you toe the line, unless you hold views that we deem to be acceptable, you're not welcome here, discussion's not welcome. Yeah, I thought that's what academia was all about. Mm, Different viewpoints, discussing different viewpoints, but it doesn't seem to be anymore. No, it's it's very it's very sad. It really is. So, I mean, do be praying for um, do be praying that actually maybe Cliff College will see the the error in in the stance it's taken. Be praying for um, the lecturers and staff that are still at the college who perhaps are um, struggling with this and thinking, you know, I, I agree with Aaron, but don't say anything. That's a difficult place to be. Um, but uh, I think most most of all, be pre- be praying for Aaron Edwards and and his and his family. Uh, he has paid a real price for standing up for what the Bible is very clear about. And uh, I think, as as followers of Jesus, we should be standing with Aaron in this. And yeah. uh, and like you know, we'll we'll link to the crowdfunding page where if you want to, you can support him and his family. We'd encourage you to do that, and um, please also do be praying for him because uh, this is this is this is a big deal. Um, but uh, yeah, this is what it yeah. means to stand up for Christ, doesn't it, Helen? It is, and I think I, I mean I have huge admiration for him. I think he's shown he's absolutely determined to follow his lord faithfully and to um take a stand no no matter the cost and and i think it's a challenge to the rest of us as christians i think we should do what we can to stand with him yeah um like you said to pray for him and i think we're able to um um consider supporting him financially as well through his his crowdfunder page it's a really interesting read and i think he's what he wants to try and do over the next few years to continue the work that he has been doing um and to try and find ways for christian education uh to continue in a truly biblical fashion i think that would be that would yes. be an amazing thing to it would wouldn't it it would. Yeah. it would. And that is quite it is quite exciting to to read about that that possibility. Um and having somebody who can help spearhead that, who has has the experience and, and has the scars from actually mm. standing up for something as well. That is very, very uh, meaningful and that counts for a great deal. 
So yeah, um, I'm sure this won't be the last time we hear about Aaron Edwards. Um, and, and again, just a reminder to keep encouraging your church leadership, encourage them to stand for biblical truth. Um, don't let people stand up on their own when they're trying to uphold sound doctrine. Go and stand alongside them. Um, that is so, so important. Um, right, so I'm, try- I'm trying to think about a way now how we kind of segue into our main our main topic for this 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 podcast. Um, but I think probably the easiest one is that that sometimes we have had the um, the the claim that that on this podcast, for example, we might peddle conspiracy theories. Um, what do you think about that, Helen? We're a well, fringe. We're a fringe podcast, aren't we? Yeah, we I think. We, I think that's a yeah, good thing. Fringe, fringe podcast peddling conspiracy theories. <laughs> it's it's funny. I was having a think about this earlier. Um, I asked my husband what he thought about the term. I said, like, rewind three years, and if someone said to you conspiracy about conspiracy theory, what would you think of? And he said, oh, I think I probably would have thought of like people talking about UFOs or something, and and I thought. Yeah, that's the only kind of thing I. <laughs> it wasn't a term I used really, and I didn't really read about it very much. And if I did, it would be something completely way out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, the little green men. That yes. Kind of thing. But but now it's it's this term that's being used all the time. It is. It's it's really come to the fore, hasn't it? Um. Yeah. Bring bring back bring back three years ago, please. When 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 it was okay to kind of have uh, crazy conspiracy theories about little green men. That that uh, life life was simpler then. I think wasn't it, Helen? Um. Well, look. I mean, the purpose of of this podcast, and I, I want to be clear here. We want to try and tread uh, as gently as possible with this. Um, obviously, this is what we think. This is our opinion, and we want to um, challenge thinking and encourage those who might be experiencing perhaps isolation or or being um, on the on their own and and singled out for for questioning things. But um, we want to offer you some reasons why you can consider uh, things that may be passed off as conspiracy theory. Uh, and why that might be incorrect. Um, and whatever we currently think about it, like you were saying, Helen, the, 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 the phrase conspiracy theory, theorist rather, com- comes up a lot. Uh, it's often used as a, a, a veiled insult as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I, I've it's, had that. Have you had that? Definitely, yeah. I think <laughs> it's just used as an excuse now to dismiss you and dismiss what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Just, oh, you're just. Oh, that's just conspiracy theory. Oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist, and end of conversation. It, it is. It's a kind. It's a kind of a close down, isn't it? And and it's very easy for it to be applied to anybody who who questions a narrative. Um, I think back to well, dearie me, three three years ago now, isn't it? Three years ago, when um, you question things like lockdown, you think, oh, you you are. Uh, you, you're a conspiracy theorist. You think there's something untoward here. It's like, well, I'm just just questioning actually the you know rationale behind behind this decision. But you know, but that's how it's how it's actually used. But conspiracy itself, what what does it actually mean, Helen? So a definition here: the activity of secretly planning with other people to do something bad or illegal. Hmm. Okay. 
So, so it's about intention, isn't it? It's about the intention, a conspiracy about the intention to do harm to others. Now, the other element of our title, which um, I, I should say, we do not want to uh, upset people. We do not want to cause offence. Um, but this is how many refer to this as as, as being cock-up, which is basically slang for somebody doing something badly. So cock-up is, is referring to perhaps somebody who is incompetent or stupid or maybe accidental harm has occurred because they've not been paying attention. It's not intentional. It's just like a kind of somebody let the bull in the china shop and didn't realise it would wreck it type, type approach. And many people at least give the outward appearance of putting the last three years down to cock up rather than being any part of a conspiracy. And we want to just outline why we think that this type of way to view events of the last three years might be wrong. Um, so I want to start talking about the Bible, first of all, because that's a good place to start, isn't it, Helen? Do you want to kind of kick us off there? Yeah, always a good place to start. Um, so the Bible is an amazing book, obviously, that tells us that there's far more to this world than meets the eye. Uh, it tells us how things began, but not just that, how things will end, which is, you know, probably quite an unusual, unusual thing. But um, there's no other I, book like that, is there? As far as I'm aware. That tells you well, tells you how it all began and, and how you. how it will end and yeah so it's like you know obviously a storybook will tell you a have a beginning and an ending but this is unlike any other story this is this is the story of of the from the beginning of time the creation of the world the creation of us as human beings all the way through to the end of time here on this earth and what's going to happen yeah and and in between, it has this amazing set of prophecies about this person called Jesus. And then all those prophecies come true in this person. So it's it's an astounding book. There is there is literally nothing like it. Um, and it's, it's a good place to start, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one thing that the Bible also tells us and makes clear is that there is such thing as conspiracy mm. yeah yeah um so i think that's that's something that we need to recognize and and the great conspiracy if you like or uh the author of the great conspiracy is is the devil or satan as he's referred to in in the bible however you want to turn term him so the first example that we get is in the garden of eden yeah where we get the serpent the deceiver who deceives adam and eve and and it's interesting when you read that story you start to see the tactics that he uses mm. so there'll be a half truth yes there'll be a question did god really say yeah um yeah. there'll be temptation the half truth being well you you will not surely die you know, God said you will die if you take the fruit. Well, surely you won't die. And the half-truth was that, okay, they wouldn't necessarily physically die at that moment. 
but it was true that mm. they would die yes. because that was what then introduced death. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Totally. And then you, you got you got people like Job as well. The the fascinating account at the beginning of Job where um, Satan is is in somehow in the presence of 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 God, isn't he? And there is this dialogue, and Satan wants to conspire against Job. Um, and then in the New Testament, we got um, in Matthew. Um, Jesus being tempted in in the the desert by Satan, and then we got a very interesting um, account where Jesus tells Peter that Satan has asked to sift him like wheat, and this is all going on behind the scenes, isn't it? It's like Peter wouldn't have been aware of that had Jesus not told him, um, and of course this is before we even get to to Revelation, which is um, a real eye opener. Yeah, yeah. I I think um I mean I was thinking before when when I was um preparing for this and um I think it's really important that we that we understand um the devil and his tactics and and one of the things that I found really helpful is reading um, C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, oh, yes. which I read a long yeah, time ago. Brilliant. We read it recently. Um, it's very clever. And it, and it's, it's um, if you don't know what it's about, it's uh, letters from a senior to a junior devil and um, teaching him how to, how to ply the trade. <laughs> hmm. um, it's very clever and just is a bit of an insight into the tactics that the devil uses, which we've just been referring to. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a great it's a great book, and and yeah, it does give that amazing insight, doesn't it? So we 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 need to kind of know who our enemy is, whilst at the same time not being obsessed with him. I think that's that's really important. And Christians need to be we need to be okay, don't we, with the simple truth that we inhabit a world which is both physical and spiritual so the physical world obviously we can touch it we can feel it we can see it um although all those things that we're very used to but it but the world is also spiritual we can't see that or touch it or feel it yet the spiritual has a direct impact on the physical and of course has direct uh, impact on the eternal um so it's that reminder isn't it that we're in a spiritual battle against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavy realms, as it says in Ephesians 6. And it's it's okay to be okay with that, isn't it, Helen? I think that's important. To, to We've got we to gotta recognise that this is the reality. Yeah, yes. And I think that is really important to recognise the reality because I think we, we will be in all sorts of trouble if we don't recognise the reality. Um and I think that's one of the things that in the last few years, quite a few people, even some who are not Christians, have talked about seeing a kind of battle between good and evil, or they felt there was a a, a sort of light versus darkness, good versus evil, that mm. they could sense something mm. going on. Yeah. And And for some people that led them to look into Christianity. Yes, yes, yeah. That's very true. Yeah, we can both think of um, somebody like that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And 
the the other thing that is is just again worth reminding ourselves about is is the fact that the Bible foretells um, the about, about the return of Christ, which is let's be honest, that's that's going to be the most astonishing event for those that are on the earth to see that that anybody has ever seen, um, and it will be quite something. So so yeah, it, it, the Bible outlines that there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And it helps us to make sense of the world in which we live, which is why we do this podcast, why we say at the beginning we want to, um, you know, be helpful in terms of a biblical Christian world view. And uh, I think that's just important to underline. I suppose, um, if you like, it's it's a bit like having a big jigsaw and, and the Bible will give us many of the pieces and it enables us to kind of start putting them together. We don't always have the pieces we might want to have, mind you, but we have the pieces that we need, I think. Um, but there is... I, I Do you sense this, Helen? I sense a reluctance sometimes in, you know, my brothers and sisters, not all of them, but some of them, a reluctance to maybe put the pieces together or even... Even maybe to to admit there is a kind of a figuratively speaking a jigsaw in the first place. Does it, does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. Um, but I think it's it's something that people that Christians need need to be understanding. We yeah. all need to be understanding. Um, I don't know. Is that reluctance down to? Could be a number of things, couldn't it? Yeah, Not it could. Wanting to be thought of as weird. Yes. <laughs> this idea of you know the spiritual battle, mm-hmm. um, loving the world a bit too much. Yeah, yeah. We we are to live as aliens and strangers in the world. We're not we're not to leave the world, and, but we we are to be different. Um, and and there's 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 implications, isn't there, of accepting that that. And recognizing that there is more to this life than meets the eye, and we are called to live for, um, for somebody we we don't yet see, but we do know, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're living for that moment where He's going to return to us. Um, but it's but it's a struggle sometimes to do this, and and I think it's it's, it's also okay to recognize that. Because if we recognise that we struggle with something, we actually have the opportunity to do something about it. And again, like one of the things we've said many times in the podcast is that we need to help one another. We need to help one another as we open our eyes to the truth contained in God's word. We need to help one another as we look at what's happening in the world. We need to help one another as we piece those together so that we can better live for Christ and better prepare ourselves for that day when he will come back, which is getting ever nearer. Yeah, um, yeah. I think everybody can agree on that. Maybe not on exactly the when, but certainly we can all agree on the simple fact that it is getting near it all the time. So we wanted to just start on this because the Bible is central to um, what we how what we believe. It it, it um, gives us that that basis to um, look at the world and to and with which to view the world and so we want to make that hopefully a little clearer as we move into this whole subject of uh, of uh, cock up or conspiracy so i mean look there is a lot we could talk about in this e- even if the last three years hadn't happened there'd be a lot we could talk about to be honest because many christian commentators evangelists have done that for quite a long time but 
let's let's just take these last three years. Nothing like what's happened over the last three years has ever happened before. Uh, yes, the world has had uh, pandemics. Um, whether that's the correct word or not, uh, depending, is, is perhaps another thing, but it's definitely had them before. Um, but the world has never had a situation where across most of it, the same thing was done by separate governments to its peoples. And that was that was a first, wasn't it, Helen? Yeah, it's the first first time I've seen anything like it, certainly. Yeah. And I think the, the, the challenge that we've noticed, and part of the reason why we wanted to do this podcast, is that when presented with what we believe to be compelling evidence, many, many people don't want to attribute this to a potential conspiracy. So they end up settling for the kind of the, the cock-up approach instead. And like we've already said, you know, the cock-up simply is slang for, for doing something badly or inefficiently. Um, so the recent uh, revelation, if you like, in in, uh, in inverted commas of um, Matt Hancock's and others WhatsApp files feeds the idea that we are run by incompetent people who got drunk on power. Um, so I don't know if you've seen it. I mean, it's quite hard to find now on the Telegraph. Is it still there? I'm presuming it's still there. It's, it's not. It's kind of hidden away now on the front pages. I yeah, can't see it. What's going I, on there? I, I think you can still find it, but maybe they've had their, you know, had their exciting headlines and then they've just shuffled it on but yeah it's a bit it's a bit yeah. strange it's a bit weird that one isn't it but what, what coming back to this say what, what does the notion of cock up stack up for you helen um no it doesn't at all um i i well there's a number of reasons why i think um that we've not just had three years of just a total cock up um I mean, we've got one of the commentators. How, how do you say his? I, I, he... we, we often we seem to have this conversation quite a bit now, don't we? How do we say somebody's name? I'd say um, Eugipius. I would. I would ah, say. I was going to say Eugipius. Eugipius. But you think it's a gur, a hard gur. Anyway, I, I, I might. I might well be wrong. So yeah, you know, well, don't quote me on right. that. I'll say Eugipius. You okay. say Eugipius. Okay. Your, um, yours sounds more sophisticated than mine. So let's go with yours. <laughs> So he's a writer and he has a Substack, and um, he's pretty good actually, isn't he? On a lot of things, he is good. Yes, yeah, he is. It's well but worth on this reading. Particular thing, I think he's. I don't think he's got it right. But um, shall I read out mm, this mm. piece? I'll read out what he says. So this is what he says: It always irritates some people when I say this, but it's just the truth. The people responsible for the last three years of economic destruction psychological injury and mass pharmaceutical experimentation are callous and evil, but they're also just really dumb. None of this meant anything. None of this was for anything. And that's the bitterest pill of all. Every last person in these text messages from Johnson to Hancock to other ministers to random experts and everyone else has absolutely no idea what they're doing or what the purpose of their restrictions even are. Lockdowns were every inch the crazy, illogical, senseless, chaotic policies they appear to be. They are the fruit of shallow, low-wattage government functionaries who have a planning horizon extending no more than two weeks, 
who judge their own success or failure via press coverage and who regard the public as dim-witted cattle to be herded in expedient directions. That's, uh, yeah, that's very that's very well worded, but I don't think he's got that right. I uh, can't agree with that summary at all, because the whole premise seems to rest on this notion of incompetence, doesn't it? It's And that I think that makes very little sense when you actually start to think it through. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, look at look at the look at the other thing that we've had recently coming in today. The whole thing with this so-called Partygate thing, because I think Boris Johnson today, as we we're recording this, he was testifying, wasn't he? And and Boris Johnson, Matt Hancock, every other MP who broke the rules during COVID nineteen, they did it because they knew there was nothing to fear. That's always been the message that that sent across. And it took a very long time for the press to get over, to get that over to people. And that's the reality. But that actually doesn't point to cock up at all. That points in a very much darker direction. Mm. Um, and, and people at the top of government, they're not, they're not really dumb, stupid or incompetent. However tempting it might be to refer to them as such, they, they simply aren't. Uh, to get to the top is, is not easy, it's very competitive, it's, com- it's perhaps a convenient fallacy to believe that we are ruled by totally incompetent people. Don't you think, Helen? I, I do think that. Um, they're actually, you know, the fact is they are well-educated, driven, they have whole departments of researchers and experts and resources at their disposal. Um, the other thing is that they they have feedback systems in mm, place to yeah. correct error. Uh, yeah, now, admittedly, yeah, that was hampered by Parliament barely functioning during the lockdowns. Um, but effectively, most of the time, you know, th- those feedback systems are in place so that if there were cock ups, they will be put right. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And I mean, one example would be if if it was just cock up by now, the vaccine dangers to the young are, are now very clear. So if if this was all just about cock up by now, they would have done something about that. And yeah. the vaccines would not be being given to anyone. They just would not be allowed um, exactly. for anyone who's young ever. That would have happened some time ago. Yeah, that that's 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 a very good point, and and this is this is what we're trying to do here. We're wanting to give um, re, you real, genuine reasons to consider that this is not um, is not incompetence. It's not cock up. It 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 is, if you like, more of a conspiracy, and and it's important as well that we we don't confuse incompetence with the ability to do evil, um, and. It's 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 a great shame, and, and I suppose the world has had plenty of uh, leaders like this through the ages. But but we do seem to have men and women in charge uh, who 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 gravitate towards wrongdoing, towards unrighteousness, and and as a result, evil prevails. And this is the human condition, of course. But we should be clear that we're not dealing with stupid or incompetent people. Um, and yeah, I I think it, the only way you could arrive at a, if you like, a cock up conclusion to the events of the last three years is to switch 
people's competence for a um, fake incompetence and it just doesn't stack up does it Helen no it doesn't I mean one example I was thinking about um corruption for uh before before the whole covid thing there was you know we had years didn't we of of issues around um political um figures who had fiddled their expenses yes or whatever. of course you did yeah the um, expenses scandal do you remember that in the good old days yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so generally people are prepared to accept that there is corruption in and around places of power um but i don't think they'd put that down to incompetence i don't think you know people generally have not thought oh well that's just you know they're messing up isn't it making a mistake making messing up their expenses no i think people have seen that that it has been people abusing their position yes, um, and using their power and their privilege in, in dishonest and dishonorable ways. Yeah. So, so it's the same kind of thing. That's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. And, and these distinctions are really important to make because it's very easy to be led along the path of, oh, they didn't know what they were doing. They were just bumbling. That's that's the explanation. And if you just take things at a surface level and don't think it through, you, you can agree with that. But as soon as you start to think about it, to look into it, to consider it more deeply, to, to look at it not only in the kind of the lens of the last three years, but in world history, you start to arrive at a, a different, a different conclusion. I think, um, and there's this thing called the the Overton window. If you come across that, Helen, it's that, that a way to describe um, a range of ideas that the public might be willing to consider and accept. So those ideas sit within this window frame. But to go outside that window, to go outside the Overton window, means you are willing to to, to entertain ideas or, or thoughts or concepts that perhaps might not sit so well with the public. So if, in other words, if you want to, um, the only way to stay within the Overton window is to accept a, in quotes, cock-up theory as to why the last three years actually happened. Uh, but that is actually a very limiting way and a very controlled way not by yourself but being controlled by somebody else as to what the Overton window is a very controlled way to to see the world anything else to add on that before we move on uh no no let's okay move on. okay so if it's not um incompetence if it's not uh cock up if you like then what is it um well i think it's worth us saying what we don't think it is just for sake of clarity so what we don't believe is is happening and what we don't subscribe to is if you like a group of shadowy characters all sat around a huge table in a darkened room a bit like something out of the uh, the war room in stanley kubrick's uh, dr strangelove plotting how to take over the world and then issuing commands to be filtered out to their little minions placed around the world i mean that that's a caricature uh, that uh, Perhaps some proponents of the the cock up theory might like to paint, but but it's just ridiculous to be honest. I, I don't think we don't subscribe to that, and I I doubt very many people really do. But here's the thing, right? From a Christian point of view, we are slowly, perhaps more 
more speedily now than we were, but we are moving towards a one world government. And this, this term, one world government, is not used in, in the Bible in, in that way, but it's alluded to when we read about the Antichrist being ahead of a, um, a one governmental system of, of worldly control. And I think it's helpful to understand that it's perfectly plausible that Satan can orchestrate different factions that might not be related in order to try and achieve his aims. And this is a reasonable way to view current events and world events, some of which will fall into what's happened in the last three years. And these different factions don't have to understand that they might be used to achieve a unified purpose. Uh, as 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of the age, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. If people are not in Christ, then they can be used for the enemy's um, uh, purposes. And we are moving ever closer to the point, as we said already, ever closer to that point of Christ's return, that amazing day when he comes back, and therefore the fulfillment of biblical prophecy that has to take place before Christ returns. So if you like, that's that's a big view. Um, uh, but I think also it's, it is... It's easy to become consumed by these things, isn't it, Helen? Because there has to, do you know what I mean? There has to be a little bit of a, a balance here. Yeah, they're just. I'm not sure balance is the right word, but you know what I mean, don't you? Yes, I do. I do know what you mean. It, it's very, it's quite a fine line, I think, because I think it's really important, like I think we said earlier on, to know your enemy, to recognize the enemy. Mm. So I think it's really important. And, and Jesus did this for us too. You know, he talked about satan warned us about satan yes um so we mustn't be obsessed with him but we're told in scripture that satan masquerades as an angel of light um we're told that in two corinthians um we're told he is the father of lies that's mm. in john chapter yep. eight and he prowls like a lion looking for someone to devour. So we must be alert. And we're warned about that in, in 1 Peter chapter 5. So, you know, I think that's really important that we recognize that and that we are alert to the danger that he poses. But at the same time, not being obsessed and consumed because we know that Satan ultimately is defeated by Jesus. Um so we, we must always remember that. But of course, Satan is the one who, he is the one who's coordinating. So whilst there is, there's not one person, Klaus Schwab or whoever, whoever. <laughs> Stroking you know, his white cat. <laughs> some, yeah, exactly. The Bond villain yeah. who's coordinating everything. But then we, we make a mistake if we then just go oh well well there's no coordination there's no exactly. there's no conspiracy yes. there's yes. no grand plan it's just you know it's actually actually there's nothing nefarious going on no satan is the one coordinating he's the one pulling the puppet strings yes um yes do you do you see we have to he's he's a great strategist um like i said you you can see that if you read the screw tape letters so i think that's what we need to recognise, um, and, and, paying and, close attention to what the Bible 
yeah. tells us and warns us. Yeah, that's totally it. And and this is why it's it should be exciting for Christians to think about these things because we have this book, the Bible, which which explains so much to us that we can view the world and have the understanding that we have because of that. And we can look at, like you say, what's been happening and, and think, well, actually, yeah, I can see how how the enemy we have, the God of this world, this, this age, uh, lower G God, um, is, is orchestrating things. But we also know the end of the story. That's the amazing thing. We know, and this fills us with hope, this, this can give us courage, this can give us boldness, but it allows us to actually see events as we should be seeing events. Because in the past, we've talked about, you know, dumbing down. I, I think there's a kind of a spiritual dumbing down that's often in the church, which is which is a little bit like, um, oh, you can't, you, yeah, do you, do you really believe in like prophecy? Or do you really think that this, this, this might not be anything to do with what's in the Bible? It's just how the world is. You know, there seems to be a reluctance along, among many Christians to, to, to weigh up what is happening in the world and compare it to what's in the Bible and think, hmm, okay, is this, is this, is this, is this an indication that, Christ's return is getting ever closer. Well, yes, it is, because time alone does that for us. Um, and I think this is why it's perhaps helpful as a suggestion to hold lightly what we see happening in the world. Do you know what I mean, Helen? Kind of hold it lightly. Don't grip onto it. Don't become obsessed by things, because it is easy to go down kind of rabbit holes, if you like. We can, therefore, if we hold it lightly, we play we can pay close attention to what the Bible speaks of and what is happening in the world. And if need be, we can just park something in the back of our minds, you know, something that might happen. You think, hmm, I wonder where that particular policy is going to end up. Well, I'll just keep an eye on that. I won't be obsessed with it. I'll just park it and see. And you think, oh, yeah, I can see how this starts to, to fit together a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I think it's helpful for Christians to to do that. Any, anything else to add on that, that bit, Helen? Yeah, well, I, I would just agree. I think um, another reason why it's helpful to do that is is to um, put more of our trust in God. Yes. So if we, if we recognise that things in the world, um, you know, may not all be sweetness and light and that there, there are, um, there is, darkness there is evil there is evil intent there are uh things going on that do not have our best interests at heart then I, my hope would be that that would push us more towards god and to trust in him mm. um to put our faith in him uh to to pray to ask god for his wisdom to ask god for his protection um, and to ask God to help us to be light in this world, because that's what he's called us to. That's what he's yeah, told that, us yeah. we need to be doing. That's what we need to be doing. But if you don't recognise the darkness, <laughs> you're not going to very well be light. That, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And this is why we wanted to do this particular podcast. It's not because we wanted to focus on the kind of nitty gritty so much, even though we... It, you know, we will talk about things, certainly in a minute, we'll outline some specific things. 
it's really the purpose of this is to say, look up, look up, come soon, Lord Jesus. Make that our prayer um, to acknowledge that this world isn't it, that all the trappings that we have, especially in the, um, at the moment, at least affluent West, it can cause us, you know, these things are unsettling. What's happening in the world is, is unsettling. It causes us to think, well, what I actually thought was stable is no longer as stable as I thought it was. Well, that's the reality of the world we live in. In other words, take heart that you know can know somebody who is totally stable, the rock that is Christ, and we can put our faith and our trust in him. So this is this is what this is all about. Um, so back to the events of the last three years. There's another commentator that we are going to mention now who has the opposite view of, uh, what's his name? You say Eugippius, Eugippius, okay. And uh, anyway, this other commentator, he and we'll link to all these, by the way, in the podcast thing. So don't don't worry about trying to remember them or anything like that. His name is um, Igor or Igor. I'm going to say everything wrong, and I Igor <laughs> Ch- Chudov. And uh, he wrote this. He said this. Instead, the events of 2020 were planned and implemented in advance by ruthless. COVID globalists who implemented their plans via corrupt media that they paid off, social media giants suppressing discussions and hijacked science and pandemic modelling to further their plans. That effectively controlled the dumb people in governments. So the question is, of course, is there evidence to support what Igor Chudov says there? Well, we would suggest there is plenty of evidence to support what he says. And uh, we're going to put a few of these things to you now. Take, for example, the fact that the majority of countries did the same thing in terms of response to COVID, which essentially was lock everybody down using fear to control them, develop a, in quote, vaccine, and then jab everybody with said vaccine as a ticket to freedom. And the interesting thing is that pretty much everybody did that. Now, if everybody doing that is just um, incompetent cock-up artists, that, that I would say is quite an achievement to all do the same level of, of planning and uh, action on those three things. But you may or may not be aware, but the events of 2020 and 2021 actually followed something called Event 201. And this um, was spearheaded by the John Hopkins Centre for Health Security, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and, McGates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And Event 201 was, um, it was a, what was it, a pandemic, um, what was it, run-through plan? How would you describe it, Helen? Mm. Simulation. Simulation, that they, was it. The word they use, yeah. And, and so they had a little practice. A little practice run. And this was this was obviously before COVID. 20, autumn of 2019, I think. Yeah, well, it? yeah, it was very close, but it was it was in the yeah, before before COVID was unleashed on the world. And uh, the recommendations from event two oh one were this political decisions to slow or stop the movement of people and goods or also known as lockdowns, development of vaccines, and the increase in public-private cooperation. Now, 
you may also be aware or not that the United Kingdom followed pretty much the plan from event 201. However, they followed that rather than the United Kingdom's own prepared pandemic plan, which is the or yeah, which is the UK influenza pandemic preparedness strategy 2011. And this stated during a pandemic, the government will encourage those who are well to carry on with their normal daily lives for as long and as far as that is possible, whilst taking basic precautions to protect themselves from infection and lessen the risk of spreading influenza to others. The UK government does not plan to close borders, stop mass gatherings or impose controls on public transport during any pandemic. Sounds a bit like what the Great Barrington Declaration was was essentially suggesting, wasn't it, Helen? What those conspiracy theorists? Yeah, those conspiracy theorists the who were Great Barrington Declaration. Yes, those yeah. those nutters. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So, right. Well, well, just a quick point there mm. that in case anyone thinks, oh yes, but that was for influenza, wasn't it? And this was something different. This was something you know much more serious. And well, that's not actually true. And influenzas can vary. So if they're talking about an influenza pandemic then that would be a, an influenza unlike your regular influenza. So they yes. would be expecting a higher death rate than they would normally expect through a winter influenza, um, which would be exactly the kind of thing that they were talking about with COVID because they weren't actually talking about a great, uh, vastly bigger than an influenza regular um, no. expectation for deaths even if you listen to what they said right at the beginning. So yeah, yeah, exactly. there was no reason why they would not follow the plan they had. Yeah, it was a perfectly good plan and it would have been a far better plan had they followed it and we'd have had a far better outcome had they followed it. Yeah. Um, and, it and it was developed on, on some accumulated wisdom, yes. uh, including m- minimal disruption, not just because of the economic implications, but also because stress and fear are recognised as being really dangerous for populations. So um, I was listening to something today where they were saying that it has been recognised for a long time that even small um, changes to people's regular ways of living can induce quite severe stress. Yes. And if you if you put fear on top of that as well, it makes people ill. And that's not a good thing to be doing. So if health is your, um, you know, the health of the population is your primary objective, then you would use exactly this kind of very gentle, measured approach. Exactly, exactly. Which, Which makes so much sense. And yet we ditched that and uh, followed in lockstep what everybody else did, which interestingly or coincidentally aligned with event 201. Just coming back, touching back briefly on on the um, Hancock WhatsApp leaks, there is an argument that that you hear where people might say, well, where uh, where was the WhatsApp message from Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates? Telling, telling, you know, Matt Hancock or Patrick Valance or Sir Chris Whitty or Johnson or whoever else it might have been to, to action the next stage of, of the plan. Um, and this it's just that's not how it works, is it, Helen? It's just, we've just got to kind of, I suppose, 
steer clear if we can of the the sort of ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous kind of arguments if you like um and it's very easy to um I, I don't know what make light of something which is actually it's actually quite quite serious and rem- and 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 put people off delving a little bit deeper and lifting the lid and saying hmm is there actually anything under here that's actually important to take into consideration so yeah don't be um I wouldn't be kind of put off by that. So the question is then, if it's not like if Klaus Schwab or whoever, you know, your villain of choice is not sending WhatsApp messages saying, right, uh, enact event 201 agent one in country X. If it's if it's not that, how how does it how does it work? We can think think back, remind ourselves in that fading memory now, three years ago, about the coercive tactics that were unleashed on us let's just think back about that to shape our thinking to get us to comply whether that was uh, standing on the yellow dot um, wearing a um, pointless face covering downloading and obeying a track and trace app i'd forgotten about that helen the track and trace mm-hmm. app you know when people say oh, i've been pinged do you remember that yeah. i'd forgotten about that i think you know there was so much stuff that we well, we didn't do but a lot of people no. sadly did do that think this is just bonkers why would you why would you do that um so all these things were foisted on us through coercion and the same approaches are applied to governments on a far larger scale so i'll give you two examples of this the, f- the first one would be our um, our good friends in quotes the wef and uh, the the world economic forum this is what they do this is this is what they say about themselves this is on their website the forum engages the foremost political business cultural and other leaders of society to shape global regional and industry agendas okay so the wf for example they are a key player in shaping policy that is carried out by so-called sovereign governments take another one the bank for international settlements the bank for international settlements provides central banks and financial supervisory authorities governmental departments in brackets, with a forum for dialogue and cooperation where they can freely exchange information, forge a common understanding and decide on common actions. So those are two examples of how governments are uh, shepherded, shall we say, towards the desired outcomes. But that's not all. Because you've got big tech, of course, big pharma also exert their considerable influence to steer policy narrative. And and this is how strings are pulled, figuratively speaking, on the likes of maybe Matt Hancock, Johnson and others. Really, it would be through civil servants. It would be through, if you like, the deep state. It's a complex and it's often very subtle and it's a long game. It's very effective what it definitely isn't is cock up. Do you want to talk about heart, Helen? Yeah, well, just before well, I unless do... Unless you have anything just, else to add on that one. Well, just thinking, um, you know, with these, for example, these meetings that the World Economic Forum hold at Davos, where 
many of these people, you know, Johnson, Hancock, many of these people have been regularly to these meetings. So they go to the meetings, they they learn the talk, they um, imbibe the ideology. Mm. Um, that's how that's how this works. It is, yeah, it is, it is, and I, I think I think we'll we'll touch a bit on Davos in in a bit, won't we? But yeah, you're absolutely right. It, 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 it's that's how this happens, and it happens over time. It's not a quick thing. It, but this has been going on for a long time, um, and yeah. like I say, it it has been it has been a, a long game, if you like. But yeah, just just talk a bit about Harks. This is really this is really helpful, I think. Yeah, so I've probably mentioned before the Hart Group. Um, they're an excellent group. They started up really early on. I started following them, um, you know, when COVID, when it all kicked off. Uh, found them as a as a group of um, mainly medics and uh, scientists and a few um, kind of statis- statisticians, people like that, who who were. Um, questioning what was going on questioning the narrative and who were pooling together their expertise mm. anyway look them up they've got loads of really good articles there so the heart group um have recently written this article which suggests that the global pandemic preparedness industry is responsible for much of what we've seen mm, yeah. um and in this article they quote the daily skeptic uh, which again uh, is um, uh, a kind of collection of of news and things going on, which which again started. Um, it used to be lockdown skeptics, wasn't it? Ago. When, yeah, it, when it, it started out, it was lockdown skeptics, lockdown which probably skeptics. upset yeah. some people. But yeah. <laughs> so um, they've obviously felt the need to carry on. So yes. that's called the Daily Skeptic. So quoting them, it says the response to the COVID nineteen pandemic represented the triumph of a pseudo-scientific biosecurity agenda that emerged in 2005 and has been pushed ever since by a well-organised, well-funded and well-embedded network of ideologues. These fanatics promote and perpetuate the ideas underpinning the draconian new approach by publishing them in leading journals, planting them in public policy and law, pushing them in the media and smearing those who dissent, however eminent or well-qualified. Mm. We, we, we exactly saw that. what we've seen. Yeah, we saw that, didn't we? We saw that. Um, I mean, there was a, there's a rather odious um, interview with Piers Morgan, which um, I don't know if that's the right word. That's how I describe it anyway. Have you, have you watched it yet, Helen? The, the, I, I know. I, I know I must. You know I the one I mean? Yeah, where, where, he's, mean. where yeah. he's employing some uh, revisionism to, to kind of backtrack on his, his pretty shocking um, way he conducted himself and what he said about people and those who question lockdowns or, or question the vaccine. Um and he he was he was complicit in this very thing about you know smearing those who dissent um and now he's trying to kind of backpedal and uh, people are actually some people are giving him credibility to doing so which is uh, shocking actually mm. um considering how much damage he's done but yeah, yeah. um 
But anyway, so, no, go on. It's good. Yeah. So as we've said before, um, global, unelected, unaccountable and extremely well-resourced bodies such as the WEF, the WHO, that's the World Health Organization, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, these are the organizations that are at play here and they don't have our best interests at heart no um what are their motivations most likely to be power money control ideology technology intellectual arrogance i would say building a tower of babel yeah and 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 doing the the enemy's bidding for him yeah i think um, you, you, you know, fair question to ask is ask yourself. You can ask yourself two questions. The first is, am I okay with having these very, as we said, very influential, well-resourced um, bodies exerting considerable influence over how I live my life? Am I okay with that? And do I do I really trust big pharma? Or big tech? Am I am I willing to actually say that out loud? That yes, I I think you're the good guys. Are you really willing to say that? Really? I I I would be incredulous at anybody who did, to be honest. But that's a good question to ask yourself, because when you ask yourself a question, you don't have to tell anybody other else the answer. Yeah. And I think the other thing to um which, which we've been talking about earlier the other thing to recognize is they are not stupid no they're definitely they are not that's stupid definitely true yes and they are they are opportunistic they're looking constantly for opportunities yes to to do what they do uh and to pounce they are prowling around you know what what was i reading earlier about prowling around like a lion the, the, the devil yeah satan devour. prowls around like a rhino um, yeah that's one yeah yeah so yeah. Hart um, go on to say in their article, there does not necessarily need to be a single cartoon villain masterminding events to avoid multiple parties conspiring or breathing together, which is another term for conspiring, mm -hmm. to create a great evil. And I thought that was really interesting that they have used the term evil because it's not it's not something that the world automatically recognizes no it's not and and if you presumably if you're going to you know talk about something being evil you also have to recognize the possibility of there some being something that is good yeah and therefore what um, defines good and what defines evil these are big questions which we um well we know the answer to that but they're good questions to ask yeah so they continue Collective action, however well-meaning, that is dictated by a group and imposed on everyone else, is tyranny, pure and simple. It gets worse if authorities are sufficiently captured by this tyranny, such that they deploy subversive psychological weaponry on their citizens and suppress any dissent. Mm. And that is, again, is exactly what we saw. We did. We we yeah. I mean, we we would be here literally all night if we catalogued all the scientists, medics, political commentators, some politicians even who were silenced um, because they were um, 
seen or perceived as being dissenters. Um, and that's that's no way to conduct something, is it at all? I no. mean, if you're if you're you, know, you don't you don't suppress uh, you don't suppress um, truth. Shouldn't do that. No. And no. it's the absolute um, opposite of the scientific way to proceed. So all yes. this follow the science nonsense. This was absolutely the opposite of that. This it was. was. It was. We will not have any discussion. There will be no discussion. This is what's happening. And anybody who disagrees will be, you know, will be shut up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what we saw. So they, they go on. Even if we presuppose that there are no evil Blofeld types standing behind all of this, it is beyond doubt that a fanatical ideology has inspired an evil tyranny. Yeah, yeah, it has, it has, and and sadly and tragically, we are continuing to see the fallout from that now, and and I suspect we will continue to do so for a for a while yet. Um, some would say that, well may well get worse we don't know do we but it's it's certainly not great at the moment and it's because of what you've just outlined here yeah well they then go on to um return to the daily skeptic and quote from there this ideology is the enemy and seeing it for what it is is the first step to defeating it yeah so i think that's a recognition that if you don't like we said earlier, if you do not correctly identify an enemy, you cannot stand against it or hope to defeat it. No, you can't. And and it, I, we we have both experienced. And I'm sure many people listening to this would would also this would resonate with them that experienced people you talk to, whether that be maybe close friends or or even family members who who don't want to. Um, don't want to recognize that this is the reality because once you recognize this is the reality once you see it you can you can no longer unsee it once you once you lift the lid the lid can't be put back on again and i i think as an encouragement this isn't something to be afraid of what 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 should be feared is being kept in the dark what should be feared is being hoodwinked. What should be feared is believing a lie. That's what should be feared. Going into the light, into the truth, mm. it might be difficult, totally. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Aaron Edwards at the start, didn't we, where he's, he's stood up for light and truth, and it's difficult, it costs, it's hard. But I, I don't know, but I assume if you speak to him or many people like him, him um but they say well there's no other option is there and this is where we have to encourage one another as as followers followers of christ and i think one of the things that that is is kind of fits into all of this that we've talked about is um this rise of of what is termed as 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 the public private partnership or or if you like some refer to as global stakeholders and we talked about big tech we talked about big pharma there's big finance of course and we talked about how they're not democratically elected they're not accountable to you or me 
um, yet uh, they carry huge amounts of power. For example, you know, Microsoft's value is equal to Canada's gross domestic product. I mean, you could you could, you could pick uh, any number one of these big tech firms and come up with some crazy comparisons, and that's just, that's just one of them. And like we've already alluded to, you know, you vi- you visit the WEF website, for example, or, or you view the attendees to Davos, and you'll see all the global stakeholders there. And they and they don't turn up to these things because they've got nothing better to do. They don't turn up to these things because they think it's a waste of time. They turn up to there because it's valuable to them and it forms part of what they are involved with. And that is simply the reality. And we encourage you to have a listen to our earlier podcast episode on the World Economic Forum, which kind of goes into a bit more detail on there. Um, shall I talk about Google and Microsoft? Because they, they care about our yeah, health. They don't know. They yeah. really care about yeah, our health, which is, which is good to know. Um, okay. So um, Google, you might remember was involved in, and I'm sure it was involved many times after this, but in very early SAGE meetings back in 2020. Did you know that? So um, Demis Hassabis, a co-founder of Google's artificial intelligence division, DeepMind, attended a meeting of the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, known as SAGE, on the 18th of March 2020, when the group was considering whether the UK should go into lockdown. Google said Hassabis was invited by the chief scientific advisor, Sir Patrick Valance, who chaired SAGE, which provides top-level guidance to the Cabinet Office during emergencies. While Hassabis is considered a world-leading artificial intelligence researcher, the presence on SAGE of an executive from a Silicon Valley company that has been exploring ways to profit from using big data in the health industry is likely to deepen controversy about the group. No way, Sherlock. You might say, <laughs> and uh, I have to point out this isn't this is this is actually all about control and power, not health. I mean, I think we could say it's about money. I'm not sure it is. I think it's more than that. I think it's about control and power. Google have got enough money. Let's be honest. But um, consider this: the very same big tech. Okay. They provided the censorship to drive and maintain the narrative, didn't they, Helen? Do you remember? Google and Facebook, for example, they banned or suppressed or they suppressed anti-lockdown pages, commentators, academics, scientists, medics. And these bans helped to direct and develop public opinion from lockdown, face masks, vaccine passports, vaccines. And as we've said already, dissent was actively suppressed smearing people's Wikipedia profiles, labelling articles as misdisinformation, removing offending, in quotes, content. And this was, and actually still is, by the way, an example of the global stakeholders, the public-private partnership in action. And you and I don't have any say over that. And furthermore, we have become its serfs. You you know, you you have your Alexa in your house, maybe, or you have your um, iPhone with Siri on it, or you use Google. They know what they want to know. Um, we're accountable to them, not the other way around. This is this is the danger of it all, and they were all complicit in the censorship of you and I and our fellow 
human beings in this whole sorry state of the last three years. And uh, I think it's also, well, yeah, before I go into the next bit, anything else to add on that one, Helen? Because, I mean, there's a lot of detail we could go into here, but we won't because we haven't got time. But um, it's really painting a broad brushstroke picture with enough detail so we can get an idea of what's going on. But what, anything you'd add on that? Yeah, well, just, um, I mean, we'll bring this up a bit later. But just as an example, um, this week, uh, YouTube, within minutes, I think, of a particular debate in the House of Commons, uh, removed it, banned it. Oh, they did, didn't allowed. they? Yes. So something in our democratic process in our country, we as the general public, they're trying to stop us from seeing it. It wasn't just the debate. It also had the official response from the relevant minister, however ridiculous that response may have been. But we have a right as citizens in this country to see that. Mm. That mm. is our so-called democratic process in action. But no, big tech, think we shouldn't know about that and yeah. so they will uh, remove it from. and that that will be artificial an artificial intelligence an ai bot algorithm working in the background and and removes it and it probably takes a um genuine person to to un, unremove it but it's the policy of yeah. big tech it's this that, that's a that's a classic example of the the so-called public private global stakeholder initiatives if you want to use that word uh, tyranny is a more accurate term, actually, uh, in action. And that is a tyranny. It, it's appalling that that should even be a thing. Mm. But that that literally happened last week, wasn't it? Like, was it last week or earlier this week? It was one or the other, wasn't it? But yeah, anyway, a few days ago. A few days yeah. ago. Um, as we've said many times on this podcast, um, the mainstream media, I'm afraid it, it's a... It's a bit of a lost cause, really. It, legacy media might be a better term for it, perhaps. Um, I'm sure there's good people still working in it, not denying that, but as a general kind of overall direction of travel, it's not great. And uh, it's it's been bought, basically. And it doesn't really matter which, which brand of mainstream you go for. It's all been in, infiltrated. So as an example of that, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have given... $319 million to a variety of news media organisations, which include The Daily Telegraph, $3.4 million, The Guardian, $12 million, The BBC, millions, state-funded BBC. Really? You think it is? No, -uh. no, it's not. Not only state-funded. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite an eye-opener, isn't it, Helen? It is, indeed. Yeah. And uh, you'll, I think it's uh, what's I should should note Stan the um, is it the global global health initiative is it the global health initiative or something on on the Daily Telegraph it's got like a whole area develop dedicated to uh, global health which is exactly an out an outcome of uh, you know the foundation funding that they they've had um i should have noted yeah. down what it's called but if you go on the daily telegraph website for example you you will you will see that and then it's there on the guardian as well I think. is it uh, okay i think so yeah and then you've got of course the whole uh, the whole other um element of things like trusted news initiative which the bbc is a part of and it's all about controlling the narrative it's about making sure that people don't have in quotes misinformation disinformation 
I didn't really hear much about misinformation, disinformation before the last, uh, well, before 2020. Did you? Did you come across that very much? I, I can't no. remember coming across that, being told that something was um, incorrect. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, we have covered this this before, but again, this is just another part of the jigsaw, which hopefully is just helpful to see that this is there's more to this than meets the eye. That there's more to this. It's not cock up it's not um incompetence it's the opposite of of that um and these are we're touching on some things which point very clearly in that direction and do you want to talk a bit about um our friend bill bill gates yeah great man can you imagine steve jobs doing this Wow. You know, yeah, when when Steve Jobs was alive, I mean, I you know, yeah. I think Steve Jobs got a lot to answer for, to be honest. But but um, when when he was he was alive, he he was like the cool the cool man of tech, and 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 Bill was like the the opposite of that, wasn't he? But I I I can't imagine Steve Jobs getting into kind of the kind of stuff that Bill has got himself into, or maybe Bill's always been into it. Maybe that's why oh, I don't know. know. Just a thought, unrelated random thought there. But Bill anyway, go back to Bill. expert on everything. Yeah, he is, isn't um, he? Good old Bill. We can trust Bill. He wears a yeah. jumper. Trust Bill. Yeah, nice jumper. <laughs> so there's a, been an investigation by um, some journalists outside of the mainstream, um, Politico journalists in uh, America and Europe, and um, a German newspaper called Welt. So... Th- their investigation together is entitled How Bill Gates and His Partners Took Over the Global COVID Response. And this is a quote from this paper. It, it's, it's, a, it's, we'll link to it. It's, it's, it's a day's read, isn't it? It feels like it's quite it would... <laughs> a big read. It's, a, it's, they've yeah. done it. They've done a proper job on it. That's for sure. It's very, yeah. it's good. It's proper really good. investigation. It really that's is. how it should be. Yeah. But we'll link to so it. So here's, you can here's a quote it. for you. Mm. Yeah. If you don't want to read the whole thing, here's a little bit. While the most powerful nations looked inward, four non governmental global health organizations began making plans for a life or death struggle against a virus that would know no boundaries. Armed with expertise, bolstered by contacts at the highest levels of Western nations and empowered by well-grooved relationships with drug makers, the four organisations took on roles often played by governments, but without the accountability Mm. of governments. Mm. Yeah. They identified potential vaccine makers and targeted investments in the development of tests, treatments and shots. And they used their clout with the World Health Organization to help create an ambitious worldwide distribution plan for the dissemination of those COVID tools. So well, the that, four that, organizations. That, that, that's a conspiracy there, isn't it? You just you well, just basically just outlined outlined it in black and white there, Helen. Well, they're they're not these are not incompetent fools. No. Um although they probably will have their so-called useful idiots lower downstream but um no these are these are well oiled machines they are they know what they're doing yeah they do they do so the four organizations that they're talking about three of them have a common history and uh these are are 
the organisations they're talking about. The first, the largest, the most powerful is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, one of the largest philanthropies in the world. The second is Gavi, the global vaccine organisation that Gates helped to found to inoculate people in low-income nations. The third one is the Wellcome Trust, a British research foundation with a multi-billion dollar endowment that had worked with the Gates Foundation in previous years. And then finally, there's the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, or KEPI, I think, um, the International Vaccine Research and Development Group that Gates and Wellcome both helped to create in 2017. Hmm. So I think um, you can see why everything happens so fast. Yes, yes. With these intertwined big global organisations. You know, we had tests, vaccines, novel drugs, everything happened pretty quickly didn't it we did we did and and on and and part of that was was you know the the recognized um uh available treatments like vitamin d you know ivermectin if you like that'll get somebody going oh it's well it's it's you know it's was it is that the 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 one that would is for um the horses am i getting that mixed up with another one it is no, was it, yeah, I, yeah which 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 yep. it, it there is a version for horses, but there's also very yeah. much a version for people. Very uh, much so, yeah. Oh, you know, available across across the world in easily. Okay, that cheap. was cheap, cheaply, cheap, safe, all the rest of it. Anyway, suppressed. Why? Well, you if you how are you going to get emergency use authorization for your new um, experimental vaccine if? You can only get that if there's no other treatment available. So, again, this falls into the um, concerted effort by the organisations that you've you've mentioned, and and there will be others as well to to ensure that the single narrative is the one that's pushed, which is the way out of this is through the vaccine. And that's what we've seen in these last three years. We can look back on this now, and what we've suspected is largely been the case, sadly. But uh, yeah, sorry, go on, Helen, I'm interrupting. Yeah, well, no, I was just thinking um, one of the things that that I um, thought about when when reading this article is that despite their their best efforts and plans, I think they failed to some extent to get vast numbers of COVID vaccine doses into developing countries, mm. which, you know, they're still talking about, we still need to get more, we need to get vaccines into these countries. And I'm actually praying, please, Lord, don't let them do that. Because, for example, in African countries, many of them have had very low rates of vaccination. Yes, they have. And um, yet those are the countries that have not only had very they've had low levels of COVID vaccination, but also low levels of COVID illness. They've all had COVID, but they've developed natural immunity. And so they've not suffered in the way that many of the Western countries have done. Um, and they're not having problems with excess deaths, unlike the highly vaccinated developed Western countries. Yeah, and and that that is that is a heartbreaking tragedy. Is the excess deaths because that is hasn't gone away. Um, it has not gone and away. And it, it 
you know, they'll talk about anything. They'll talk about nonsense like Gary Lineker or nonsense like the, you know, the sideshow of the WhatsApp leaks or anything, but the, but the fact that more people are dying than should be dying, which is awful. And that should be, as we've said before, that should be frontline news and people should be actively getting to the bottom of that without the interference of global stakeholders, without the interference of that public-private partnership, which has, it would seem, caused this in the first place and or at least been a, a significant player in it, which um, is appalling, I think, actually. So, yeah, I agree, agree with what you're what your assessment there, Helen? Yeah. Um, I mean, coming back to those those leaked WhatsApp messages, they kind of, I guess, confirm what many knew has has been the case for a long time. And we have this, if you like, we have this veneer of uh, chaos, a veneer of, oh, this was people just being um, incompetent. It's a thin veneer over what actually is a great depth of deceit and uh, active um, conspiracy, I would say, actually. And so it should lead us, perhaps, to ask the question, why Why was it that uh, big tech, big pharma, governments all colluded together? Is that, is that simply coincidence? Um, you could look, for example, at the, the world... World Economic Forum young leaders, people like Jacinda Ardern, uh, Macron, or Justin Trudeau. You could swap each one for the other, couldn't you? They're interchangeable, I think. They're like kind of <laughs> just put one in a different country and they just do the same thing, basically. They 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 all like followed their own, uh, well, not their own, they all followed the totalitarian policies, which are pretty shocking and appalling. Uh, they all parroted the same things. Even down to the the old WEF line, which we've conveniently forgotten about now, which is Build Back Better. Do you remember that? They all spouted Mm. that. That's a WEF line. Boris Johnson spouted it as well. It was was talking about building back better. We forget all this stuff, but it happened. Is that simply a coincidence? Uh, We need to ask ourselves why free speech was so heavily suppressed in so many countries during the last three years. Is that simply coincidence? Looking at the corruption of the MHRA, 86% of their budget comes from Big Pharma. I think that's a shocker. The JCVI members have declared more than 1 billion of investments in Big Pharma. Is that simply coincidence? Look how the Coronavirus Act was rushed through Parliament. Do you remember that? It was passed in both houses without a vote. It was anti-democratic, it was unnecessary and evil in terms of the harms it caused through lockdown restrictions and vaccine harm through coercion. Is that coincidence? This, these are, you know, if you're kind of, if you are sitting on the fence with this, that's totally okay. But just ask the questions. Ask the questions. We'd encourage you to ask the questions and say, you know, was is this really just cock up? How can all these things just be a coincidence? Um, we just encourage you to, to think it through. But at the same time, like we said earlier, really, really important. Hold it lightly. It's not to be something that consumes us. It's ultimately something that helps us see the reality of the world in which we live so that we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything that helps us see the true nature of things, I believe, can 
point us actually to Christ. And do you want to just talk about uh, just Andrew Bridgen's thing? Because we we mentioned him earlier, but it's worth just fleshing this out a little bit more, Helen, because because it was quite yeah. it was quite something, wasn't it? And we talked about it him was. before on our podcast. Yeah. So when I mentioned earlier about uh, YouTube um, uh, uh, taking down the video of what was going on in the in the House of Commons, um, Andrew Bridgen MP, um, he uh, delivered another speech on vaccine harms again to empty benches. But what was interesting about this latest one, I mean, it was a very good speech. I would encourage anyone we could link to it because although YouTube did ban it from there it is available on other platforms so it we is can find, yeah find a link um but what's very interesting is at the beginning before he starts speaking those who are in there including some who looked like they were presumably going to sit and listen hmm. um andrew mitchell mp can be seen going round and ushering them out including <laughs> yes he can MPs on the opposition benches. You can see him. I mean, it's pretty infantile. You can see him going <laughs> up to them and it's it's like, come on, get out. You shouldn't be listening to this. Off you go. Yeah. And they obey and off yeah. they go and they all scuttle off. It's absolutely shocking. It's absolutely appalling. Um, what is that if it's not conspiracy? So Quite. no MPs are to listen to this man who who is delivering a speech on a very serious topic, quoting the government's own data on vaccine harms. Yeah, yeah. And, this and should why, be why debated. are they doing that? Why why are they doing that? Is it because so that they can? It's almost like you know that thing that little children do where they put their hands over their eyes you can't see me or the, or the hands are in their ears <laughs> i can't, can't i don't want to hear you anymore can't hear you anymore it's it's just like that it's it, like it well is. if we don't listen to it then we don't have to deal with it or we don't have to acknowledge this as an issue yeah it, it, it's awful and and it, and unfortunately it feeds a kind of a cynical view of our of our so-called democracy and i say so-called democracy because i think it really isn't anymore. Um, really uh, that's my personal view. All very broken. Yeah, which is very sad. Um, but that's the reality. You can you compare the 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 House of Commons chamber uh, when Andrew Bridgen was talking about these very serious issues, which they should debate. If you don't, if you don't, if you think he's talking nonsense, well, stay there and debate him and prove yeah. that he's wrong. Question his prove, yeah. facts that he's he's quoting, and no exactly. one's doing that. No, no one is doing that engage with the truth engage with it and work it out that's the job you compare you compare the site of the commons when they're with with that to when they were perhaps debating their pay rise it's interesting to know how many were in the commons for that yeah so yeah we have a very broken political system but um you, you don't really have to think very hard to realise that, sadly. But yes, it, it is. It was um, quite uh, quite an astonishing thing to watch, and you know all these things that we've talked about, where we've we've I hope we've we've painted something of a picture for you as to why we we think that this cannot what's happened these last three years cannot be down to simply cock up, if you like. It's not down to incompetence. It's down to something more. Um, pulled together it's down something deeper than that a conspiracy if you want to use that word fine use that word a plan whatever 
And like we say, it's not necessarily a plan that's orchestrated by one group. Um, there are many different factions involved. But um, from a spiritual point of view, from a biblical point of view, it's very reasonable to, to, to arrive at the conclusion that the enemy is the one coordinating what he wants to do for his aims. However, like we said before, we, we know what the end is. But this all this we talked about is before you even consider things like, which are very much sadly on the horizon, things like digital ID, 15-minute cities, it's interesting. We thought it was just Oxford and Cambridge. Uh-uh. No, it's not. It's been debated in town councils all over the country now. That's a thing. Um, net zero. Look at the alarmism going on that. Off the scale at the moment. Central bank digital currencies. And we've got the nice little kind of uh, government warning app on your on your phone if you have a, a new enough phone. Oh, yeah. Um, coming soon. T- turn, turn that nonsense off on your phone. Turn that ridiculous notification off. You can do it. But these things are all part of the same plan, and we've not even touched on these. So um, the evidence to support this being conspiracy as opposed to cock-up, we believe, is, is overwhelming. But at the end of the day, you decide for yourself and uh, if you are a Christian if you are a follower of Jesus this should not alarm or worry you I think that's really important to say hopefully we kind of made that clear but just want to underline that you know the Bible has much to say about the days leading up to the return of Christ Jesus himself says a lot about that look at Matthew 24 and 25 and whilst we don't know when that day will be it's important to pay attention to the signs in the world Jesus gave us specific signs and he gave us that to look, for us to look at them. He didn't give it to us thinking this will be perpetually in the future. That's a kind of theological nonsense to go along with that. Don't do that. And the, eye, the, the purpose is that we take courage from the fact that Christ is returning. Where our salvation will be complete. And that is amazing. But Jesus also tells us these things. Read Matthew 24 and he says them so that we might not be deceived. He says, doesn't he? Watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out. Pay attention to what's happening because you don't want to be led astray, Jesus is saying. Because if you're led astray, you'll take your eyes off me. And none of us want to do that. And we want to encourage one another to help each other do that. And it's a narrow path we're on. And it might be tempting. I can certainly understand. We can, we can understand this completely. It's it tempting to take the perhaps all too common view, okay, that, well, you know, things have always been like this and we really don't know when Jesus will be coming back. We're not at the end yet, you know, or, uh, or it's possible to go right to the other extreme, if you like, and, and become so obsessed with particular signs or events that they can take us off at tangents, and they might start off being really interesting. They might start off being legitimate even. But if we're not careful, it can take us off into a completely different way and point that's further away from Christ than we intended to be. So in other words, what we're saying is this. We need to discern truth and we need to grasp the reality of the world in which we live. Say that again. We need to discern truth. We need to grasp the reality of the world in which we live and um, I think for many of us, we, we just need to wake ourselves up to this reality. And the longer we leave it, 
the harsher the wake up call is going to be. And we, we don't we don't want that. We don't want to make things harder than we need to. Uh, so, you know, we've only scratched the surface here. Um, we never claim to be right about everything we say. We say what we believe is the right thing. Um, and uh, we know that there is so much more we could talk about, but uh, we only have a limited amount of time. And we know if you listen this far, thank you. You've done really well. well. We've done really well. <laughs> um, Helen, do you want to end us with a scripture? Because that's a good place to end, isn't it? Yeah, that's always a good place to end. I will. Um, well, one thing before I do, I think um, one of the things, if you're thinking about, oh, you know, how, how do I pray about this? Or how do I... What, one thing I think is a good thing to do is pray the Lord's Prayer. And yes. for those of you who didn't learn it as a child, learn it. It's it's a really good prayer, which I've been coming back to. Um, and, you know, it includes praying, asking for God to deliver us from evil. Yes. And praying for God's kingdom to come. Yes. So, you know, that's two of the gems and it's full of gems. And Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. So it's a good one, good one to use. Um, Great reminder. I'm going to end with reading from Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Amen. Brilliant. That's it. That's a really great bit of God's word to, to finish on. Any anything more to add, Helen? We well, just I think we need to recognise and acknowledge the enemy, mm. the great conspiracy. You know, he, the enemy is is the um, the one that we need to be concerned. The, the one who wants about. to do us harm. The one who wants yes. to do us harm. Yes. So so that we can defend ourselves and fight, and it's not us defending ourselves on our own. God will equip us with the armour we need for the battle. Um, and the battle ultimately is won in Jesus. So we're on the winning side. We know we're on the winning side. Yeah, we So are. we do not need to fear. Um, we need to stick close to God and he will give us everything that we need. Yep, indeed. Indeed he will because God is faithful and God is good. Well, look, we'll, um, we'll end there. We'll put links to as much of the stuff that we've touched on as is we think will be helpful. Um, as we said at the start, do remember to, to pray for Aaron Edwards and his family as they um, navigate this new, very challenging um, bit of life uh, because of his stance for, for the truth and for God's word um do 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 consider supporting him as well you can um uh yeah this will we'll put the links in the the, the pod version of of this uh, you can 
Uh, on the Podbean site, you can also find the links to various places, including Helen's excellent Substack and um, the little Telegram channel we we operate to just share snippets of in- interesting information as and when as and when we go. If you want to get in contact with either Helen or myself, you will be able to find a way to do that if you really try. And we would love to hear from you if you do want to share any feedback or any anything you might like us to touch on in, in future. We have got. Um, uh, something else interesting lined up, haven't we, Helen? Which we're working on, which yep. which we're looking forward to. Um, yeah. And yeah, anything else to add? I think that's. I think I have actually covered everything this time, haven't I? That should be everything. Yep. That should be everything. Well, look. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yep. See you then. Bye. <laughs>